This episode is brought to you by Blue Apron. So if you guys read The Skinny Confidential, you know I love, love, love Blue Apron. I just feel like it's quick, it's efficient, the box arrives to your door, it's kind of like a present. You open it up, all the ingredients are measured out for you perfectly, and it's fresh. Also, the beef, the chicken, the pork come from responsibly raised animals. It's just very on-brand, you know? What I like is every ingredient is just completely measured out for each recipe. So they're reducing food waste, which is amazing. Plus, you don't have to go to, like, the grocery store and buy, you know, chili flakes when you can just get them perfectly measured for your recipe. Michael and I love to cook together. It's kind of like an event. He thinks he does everything when I actually do everything, but Blue Apron kind of makes you feel like you're both doing something. So we've been cooking together, and I feel like it's building that strong bond. Their upcoming meals are the spicy shrimp and Korean rice cakes with cabbage. They've got pork chops and garlic with scallion rice and spinach. And then my personal favorite, the mushroom and chipotle pepper enchiladas with lime sour cream. Ugh, so good. So not all ingredients are created equal. Fresh, high-quality ingredients make a real difference, so it's important to know where your food comes from. It's affordable. It's got a lot of variety, a lot of flexibility. It's easy. I love everything easy. And it's guaranteed. They promise that every ingredient in your delivery arrives ready to cook or they'll make it right. So check out this week's menu and get your first three meals free. Three meals, guys. With free shipping by going to blueapron.com slash him and her. You'll love how good it feels and tastes to create incredible home-cooked meals with Blue Apron, so don't wait. That is blueapron.com slash him and her. Happy cooking! The following program is a podcast1.com presentation. She's a lifestyle blogger extraordinaire. Fantastic. And he's a serial entrepreneur. A very smart cookie. And now Lauren Everts and Michael Bostick are bringing you along for the ride. Get ready for some major realness. Welcome to the Skinny Confidential, him and her. You wanted your turkey ham sandwich, didn't you? Yep. Hi, guys. We're back. Um, Holiday madness is over. We still have New Year's Eve, but we're through the gnarliest part. We're done. We're finished. Yep. We made it through the holidays. And our wedding. And our wedding party. Nope. Done with the wedding. Not even bringing that up anymore. Yeah, we're ready to kick it into gear in 2017 our dogs are over us wouldn't you say yeah we've been running around too much we need to i need to be locked down stay in the house yeah not go anywhere stay in the office in the house i'm not going anywhere yeah so we are ready to kind of just put our heads down and fucking kick ass in 2017 it's time for me to get back on the skinny confidential bombshell body meal plan and in the gym so I have a big fat Christmas gut. I know you were pinching it in the cab last night. Well, it's like, what the hell is this? I've never seen it before. You literally were pinching your gut in the cab last night. Well, I couldn't. Me. I couldn't figure out what the hell it was. I could. I have like it's a, a spare little tire. Jameson, little little turkey, little stuffing, little honey ham, tequila, yeah, little honey ham. I'm like a fat baked ham right now. All right, for those of you who don't know me, I'm Lauren Everett, the creator of the Skinny Confidential, which is a blog and brand. And we have Michael Bostick, my lovely husband. Entrepreneur, investor, internet marketer, husband of the year. Mm, That's debatable. Well, so today we're going to do something kind of different. It was my idea. I'm going to take credit for it. I'm going to interview Michael, and then 
on the next podcast, he's going to interview me. And what we're going to do is we're going to take the questions that you guys have sent us and kind of interview each other. So it's not really my questions or his questions. It's questions that you guys have sent in via ask, what is it? Podcast at the skinnyconfidential.com. Yep. Or the hashtags. Yeah. So we just, we've compiled all these questions and he doesn't know the questions I'm going to ask him. I'm not going to get too raunchy today. I'll keep it business-like, but um, we'll do another one where I get kind of spicy. But this one's more like business and branding focused. I haven't had any breakfast or coffee, so hopefully I can... Well, you need some cold brew. I have Hopefully some I can knock these out of the park. Yeah. You should have some coffee, honestly. I work well under pressure. Let's go. All right. So we're going to get right into it? We can. Oh, we can also talk a little bit. Uh, last week's episode with Taylor got a lot of traction... That was kind of probably our wildest episode. I mean... I loved it. A little bit out there. I'd like him to come back on and talk about how he was peacocking across the internet. He literally made a graphic off of some app last night, and I'm going to have Michael read the graphic out loud. I don't know, like, it's not Photoshop. I don't know where... He, like, wrote Happy Holidays from the Bare Naked Cucumber against Kermit the Frog, which just makes no sense whatsoever. Poor Taylor. He probably had a couple too many Christmas cocktails and was looking for some attention. I don't think it's poor Taylor. I think he likes it. And then he posted another picture of a guy in a Star Wars Snuggie and said that that was his holiday. So he's he's loving the attention. I'm looking at it right now. There's only one comment. It's from you. It says, hmm. <laughs> he did change his bio details, too, and he doesn't have the four-person collage. He actually has a photo booth pic because he loved himself so much in that photo booth. But yeah, so if you guys want to have Taylor back on for like a round two and you guys maybe can call in and ask him questions, I feel like he would love that. Don't he's, you think we should he's on, call he's, he's on a break. Why? Well, when we go back in the studio, we can do Collins. I feel like there was even more to the wedding that we like. Did, we didn't get every nook and cranny. No, I think we got enough. When you're on the strip pole butt naked, I think that's that's where we toe the line. He was on the strip pole butt naked, spinning around to dry the piss off himself because he pissed himself before going in. And if you guys have not listened to that episode, for sure go back and listen. What episode was it? 42? It's the one right before this, 42. Okay, definitely listen to that one because it's gnarly. Don't listen with kids in the car and don't listen at work. But other than that, you're good. All right, let's get right into the questions. Are you excited? I'm in the hot seat. You're in the hot seat. Okay, so these are questions, again, that you guys kind of have asked us, and I just put them together. I threw one question in here for good measure that I wrote. Okay. Okay, so a lot of people are wondering what you do, and I feel like you, you give kind of bits and pieces, but no one really gets the whole thing. So kind of tell your story and tell us exactly what you do on a day-to-day basis. Okay, so... My family started in real estate. My dad was a developer for a, a long time. My uncle is a general contractor. And so I grew up on construction sites, working in and out on residential properties, on commercial properties, my whole life. And when I went to school, I studied that, and that's what I thought I was going to be doing. And as you know, when I lived in Tucson, shout out to my wildcats. Um, you were a wildcat in Tucson, yeah, weren't sure you? Was. I sure was. <laughs> the first project I ever did I got a loan to do a, a small remodel on a uh, residential home. And, you know, I had odd jobs before then. In high school, I worked at McDonald's. I worked as a landscaper, car wash, did all the little, like, odd job things. Lemonade stands. Maybe not lemonade stands in high school, but... I feel like le- you didn't do a lemonade stand. All the little... All, no, I did. All the little odd jobs to make whatever money. But then, um, so finally, when I got to school, 
almost, I think, end of my junior year, beginning of senior year, I did a residential remodel. In college, not high school. In college, yeah, in Tucson. You you actually visited that house once. and yeah, I was um, turned off immediately. I really, you know, got a lot of experience managing a construction site, learning how to manage people, really learned that doing a real estate project in 2008 was probably not the best idea, got my ass kicked. So you learned a lot. So I learned a lot. You learn quickly, too. One thing about Michael is when he learns something, he learns the lesson quickly and swiftly, which I love because the only lesson you haven't learned, though, is the toilet seat. We're still working on that. I'm working on it. you got to put it down. No, so I learned quickly, obviously, as you know, um, got my ass kicked there, but I still had not gotten the taste of real estate out of my mouth. So I, I came back to San Diego, a beaten, broken person because I just got my ass kicked. But you had me. This is when we started dating. So you were excited about that. Yeah. But at the time we weren't working together. So I was still, you know, thinking about what, what am I doing? So I, I came back and I started actually working on a commercial property here in San Diego in Escondido for uh, a medical building that's still there. And it was a 12,000 square foot medical building. We developed that out. The partner was a tenant and I just really realized during that time with all the regulations here in California and all the back and forth and the pains he asked that I really did not like real estate. And at the time, me and my dad had an idea for a side business, which is now one of our main businesses called Jetbed. And we started developing. Okay, what is Jetbed though? Because a lot of people, you say that, like everyone knows what that is, but it's such a niche market. Everybody doesn't know what it is. I know. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Tell um, us exactly what it is. Okay, so we make beds for corporate and private aircraft. And we've made beds for some of the largest corporations in the world. We have a patent on it. I'm going to brag for a second about you. He makes jet beds for Oprah. He makes jet beds for Taylor Swift. Who else do you make jet beds for? Um, I don't like to like say the clients, but we've done, you know... Uh, You're so shy. We've done some of the biggest... We've done Exxon, Coca-Cola, Chevron, But you these, these beds are not beds that you can use in commercial aircraft. It's just private. It's... Pr- yeah, I say private and commercial, meaning uh, a lot of these big corporations, they have their own aircraft, right? So a lot of these executives need to be in places... Uh, randomly all the time and sometimes flying private for some of these big companies is much faster so yeah we've done for the the u.s government we've done for big corporations celebrities the company's been around for about 10 years now but the funny thing is we started it as a side project and as you know it was a niche business you know it's it doesn't serve a lot of people you had me be the model i had lauren be the model if you actually we need to redo the video but no we're not gonna have people go look at that this was like eight years ago when we first started dating and he had me laying on a jet bed with my eyes closed pretending to be asleep yes Creepy. so <laughs> we so we we developed the product my dad and i we manufacture it in corona california so it's all american made and we still run that business today I it's a well-oiled it. machine you've gotten it in systems everywhere i've noticed that yeah, it's approaching 10 years, so we've learned a lot along the way. I mean, do you know what's funny, though? A lot of people, and this is why I say patience, when we first started this business, if I would have known what it took to get it to where it is now, I don't think we would have ever started. So I think starting it and just keeping our head down and, and kind of grunting through the hard stuff, it took us, we did more business the beginning of the first quarter of our fourth year than we did the whole first three years combined. So, okay, but like explain that in, in normal terms. Meaning we made more money in the beginning of our first quarter of the fourth year of the business than we did for the first three years, meaning we didn't do shit for the first three years. I remember you would call me like when we first started dating 
And you would be so excited because you sold one jet bed and it was like, I think you sold like one in a month. I would be like jumping up and down and high-fiving anyone around (laughs) me if, if we did that. We didn't know anything about the market. We, like I said, we we went into it as a side project. And His dad, your dad flies though. My dad flew for a long time. You want to get your pilot's license eventually? Yeah, I do. I, 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 you know, I can. I've done a lot of the courses and stuff, and I've done a lot of less. I can actually take off and land a plane and do all the radio signs and all that stuff. But you flew me before. Yeah. Did you know that? I just. I'm not licensed, so. Well, let's not talk. But if shit that. hits the fan and we're up in the air, I could get us down. Really? Yeah, absolutely. That's hot. I'm turned on. Yep. Okay, so go on. Okay, so we did Jetbed, and we still do Jetbed, and that's one of our businesses. And then from there, while I was doing that, I wanted to go off and do another project, and I started learning how to market on the internet, on Facebook and Back Google. Yep. This You need to tell the Morton State and how that started, too. The what? Skinny Confidential, like how this like it was like intertwined in this. Well, I will. Okay. I will. I'll get to that. So... I started learning how to um, market different products and services on the internet for different companies and different brands and different people. And I still do that today. And I started having a lot of success with that. And I learned a lot about internet traffic and sales and sales funnels and um, product marketing and branding and, and, and just working with other people and other brands. And then obviously working with you. But just so you guys know, when he started getting into the internet and and branding and marketing and sales, I started to see you really thrive because I feel like that's really where you belong. You get off on it. Well, I like sales, right? So this is obviously a new thing to me being more in the public eye thanks to you and calling me Susan and putting me on your Snapchat every second. So I'm more, surprisingly, surprisingly, I'm more of a behind the scenes guy. No, I feel like you could go either way. Let's be honest. You're like a Gemini, but you're not. I could go either way, but I didn't know that. But typically until maybe this year, I was always a behind the scenes guy, helping other people sell their products, helping other people push their brands, you know, marketing behind the scenes. A lot of the stuff that I've done, it doesn't even have my name on it or my stamp on it, which is fine. It was for other businesses um, that I was paid for. And so, you know, we obviously, we had the conversation at Morton Steakhouse where you were talking for the last like six months about a year, a year for about, yeah, about this blog that you wanted to do. And I didn't want to execute it because we'll get into that, but I just was too much of a perfectionist. Yeah. And so we were going on and on and I basically told you to pull the fucking trigger, pull the trigger, obviously. So good thing I did that because you probably wouldn't have a blog without me. No. Oh my God. Are you kidding? <laughs> Play your violin. Please. I'm just kidding. Okay. So just to let you guys know, Michael was not involved in my blog for like two years. Like you, like we talk, like we would talk about it. I like, was more of an advisor. Yeah. He would like, but again, actually, I, you know what? I don't like to call myself an advisor to because that, that sounds weird. Like I'm like, we're, we're equal. So I would just consult with you and give you, whatever. I would talk out ideas, Yeah, but I wasn't, what's funny is that I wasn't looking for sales and I'm, that's not really my main um, focus is sales for me. I'm more of a creator and a content creator. So Michael brings a kind of a different perspective to what I do, but go ahead. So, so well, my biggest thing is after taking as long as we did with Jetbed and seeing how long it took to get, to, to get the business off the ground. And same with marketing and learning all that stuff and, fi- and figuring out all that. I was completely fine with the approach you took. Not that it was my choice, but I was I was fully supportive of the approach you took of, of just creating great content and not trying to monetize anything, not serving ads, not doing the other side of kind of like what I do. Because I believe that if you provide value to people, whether it's a valuable product or a valuable service or valuable content, that eventually, in some sh- way, shape, or form, 
it becomes valuable and it becomes monetizable. And I think that's what's happened. So I, I don't think I would have, if I hadn't done the Jeopardy and I hadn't taken all the time to learn what I did in with marketing and everything that I, I don't, th- I t- probably would have told you, how are you going to make money with this? But since I had that patience at the time, um, I was completely fine with the approach took. And I think now it's, it's paying off. Patience is so underrated. It's so underrated. Yeah, patience it, is it, patience to me is like, everyone's like, when did you have an epiphany? And when there's no epiphany, like you just work every day and you, you chip away. And every day I try to lay my head down on the pillow and think, um, what did I do to build some like towards my goal today? And I always will think of one thing I did, even if it's the smallest thing ever, like maybe it's a logo design, something so small that I've done to build towards the bigger goal. And I think that that you're a great example of that with Jetbed. Well, yeah, with that, and, and it, well, trust me, it's taken me a long time to, I still think I need to work on it every day. Like, you know, the internet's a very fast paced place. You see things and you see what other people are doing. And obviously that that's very, um, it entices you to try to do the same thing. But I, like I say on former podcasts, I try not to pay attention to what other people are doing and just stay in my own lane and focus on what I'm doing. And patience is definitely a daily practice. And it's a mindset that, that I'm starting to become a lot more comfortable with. What I would say is you patience don't... Patience is learned too. I feel like I've watched you learn patience. Yeah. Patience is learned through getting your ass kicked when you're not patient. And, and just so everyone out there knows, Michael and I have gotten our ass kicked and we'll do a whole podcast called How We Got Our Ass Kicked multiple times whether it's with family or work we've both gotten our ass kicked and we're going to continue to get our ass kicked that's just the nature of the game oh absolutely i would say you know also moving segueing on what i do now is i still um obviously run jetbed and i have my media business and you've gotten more involved with the skinny confidential because we're podcasting now i've gotten involved with the skinny confidential and then i am an investor in probably 10 to 15 different businesses right now. One of them I just launched a uh, Kickstarter campaign for. It's a boot company called Broken Home. You fucking crushed it. Michael I, raised... We raised... With, with the group, you guys raised 100 raised, grand. Yeah, we raised over 100 grand for them in 30 days, all with organic marketing and a little bit of paid. And he really believes in the product. He wears the product every day. It's called Broken Home Boots, and they're the coolest fucking boots I've ever seen. So it was really cool to see you come behind a product that you actually believe in and you actually wear and and raise that money, and I think they're going to crush it. Well, as an investor, I've learned, too, over the years, also getting my ass kicked, that you have to invest in products or businesses or services or people that you believe in. And in the past, I haven't, I've, you know wasn't patient and I invested in things that look good on paper or I thought would be great and you've they, lost money I've lost a lot of money didn't necessarily believe in a lot of the stuff so you know now in 2016 17 I've really you're kind more of, picky I'm, I'm a lot more picky I'm a lot more um patient with what I choose to invest in and I if I find something I really like then I try to I tend to you know maybe go all in on it so that's what I do I'm an investor marketer entrepreneur husband husband you're now bringing me coffee in bed with my... What are you getting me? Tell everyone what you're getting me. I got to get you a uh, mug warmer, right? Yeah, there's... Because I get up earlier than you, and so... He does get to... up earlier than me. I stay up later, if we're going to tip for tat on that. Yeah. <laughs> but so now I'm excited because I have Bostic Media, which I've kept private for the last three or four years, and I'm getting ready to 
um, be more public with it and take on more clients and help other people grow their businesses and their brands. And it's kind of like a consulting, marketing, PR type firm. But I've seen so many agencies over the past three or four years waste people's time and budgets. And the approach that I'm going to take is it's going to be a results-based approach where I will I will literally fire my own clients if I don't get them results. He, he also... Well, both of us, I think, now that we're married, we want to really kind of make a foundation and create... I mean, we've always been a team, but when you get married, I I mean, I felt a shift. Like, you do feel like you're really in this together and you're really a team. So I think with whatever he's doing or whatever I'm doing, like, we are taking that very much teammate approach in an equal way. Well, I think you're going to get involved with what I'm doing. And obviously, I'm involved with what you're doing. So we're also working on. Um, and we haven't killed each other yet. We haven't almost though. We also should do a podcast called "We Almost Killed Each Other." We're also working on a product for the Skinny Confidential, and then we have a product that Michael and his best friend Weston are working on. So there's a lot of different things happening. But again, it's all about patience. Okay, let's get the next question. Again, Michael does not know these questions. They're not too hard though. I feel like you can answer these easy. What's your best piece of advice to young entrepreneurs who are just starting out? This is a question that we get asked all the time, and I feel like this is a great question for you to answer. Okay. um, I would not just say this to young entrepreneurs, but I would say to anybody. First, obviously, patience, which I say all the time because everybody wants it right now. And trust me when I say getting something right now is definitely not the answer. A Um, right now generation. And anything that I've gotten right now turns out to be shit. I feel like everything that I've waited for. Don't you feel like that? Yes. And then I would say, really find a skill or personality trait. And and people aren't going to understand this, but personality trait or skill that differentiates you from somebody else. Examples. Example. I believe that I have a skill, and this may sound, this is going to sound egotistic. I believe that I have a skill to get in front of people and sell them and develop very close relationships with them. It's not in a manipulative or bad way because I, I only have relationships that I, that I care about and that I put a lot of compassion into, but I believe that I have a skill to, to get around people and Genuine. to, into, yeah, and to, and to bring them into my life and to make them a friend. And so what's, what that's done for me in my life is I've, I've made a lot of really good uh, connections. I've, I have a lot of really good partners. Yeah, you included, but that I would say differentiates me from people that may be smarter than me, um, may have better technical skills than me. It's it's important to be well-liked and, and to want people to be around you. So I think that that's my unique thing. And I say it's a personality trait. And then I say like a unique skill, right, where I learned how to sell products for other people and help people bring their products to market and help brand them. And so when you can do that and you can help other people, you become valuable to that person. So you're telling you're telling the, the audience to find what they're really really good at what their strength is their niche strength find something that can bring value to other people right um because when you when you find something That's that becomes valuable to other people and you can help other people then they need you right and when they when someone needs you you're not replaceable does that make sense? I, I, I don't know if i'm saying you're not if that right but i believe that if you if you have a unique skill set and you have a unique personality trait that is different and is not being you're not mimicking somebody else, but it's unique to you. Then that that creates a need for you in the market. And be real with yourself. Just because you want to be a fashion blogger, that might not be your strength. 
maybe you're a better cook and maybe maybe you're better behind the scenes. Like get really real with yourself. You know, I don't enjoy looking at numbers every single day. You, I feel like you could go either way, but there's things that you don't like to, I feel like you are better out in, out in the wild. Well, I think it comes down to, it comes down to self-awareness, right? Like I think this, the self-awareness conversation is going to start becoming a very big conversation. People need to start being very, very honest with themselves, being honest with what they want out of life. Be honest with yourself. Tell you what are you not good at? If you're not good at, don't don't waste your time trying to be good at. Focus on your strengths and things that that drive you and and that bring value to other people. And really, you know, work on those skills and those personality traits and the, and that mindset because you're never going to be good at something you don't like ever, and you're never going to improve on stuff that you're not good at as well as you would as, as much as you'd improve on stuff that you are good at. So that's good advice. Yeah. So get real with yourself. Look in the mirror and ask yourself what the fuck your strength is. And I would say focus on that, not your weaknesses. Well, and here's the thing. Not everybody needs to be an entrepreneur either or a solopreneur. There's nothing wrong with working a tradi- for somebody else and, and being, like, you know, the number two, three guys at some of these biggest companies, you know, the Ubers of the world are highly successful. You need a lot of money. Um, not everybody's cut out to do to run their own business. I mean, it's not, it's not an easy thing. I mean, you have to be willing to get punched in the face every fucking day and, and smile about it. I think a lot of the conversation where people are saying everyone can do anything they want. That's subscribing to your own it's, delusion. You can do anything you want, but you have to be honest with yourself about what that really is. If you want to play video games all day long and that's what you want to do and that's your thing, the internet has made it possible now. Amazon just bought Twitch. There's kids right now playing video games all day long, making hundreds of thousands of dollars a year. Maybe you want to play video games all day. That's fine. But don't play video games all day long and then complain that something's not the way you want it to be, right? Your, your actions have to, have to map. I love it. I think you're 100% right. I think the self-awareness conversation is going to, people are really going to start talking about it. And, you know, you do you. Everyone's different. Hey, everybody, I'm Heather Dubrow. And I'm Dr. Terry Dubrow. Every Friday, check out my podcast, Heather Dubrow's World. We also have a brand new show, The Dr. and Mrs. Guinea Pig Show, every Tuesday. So don't forget iTunes and Podcast One. Tune in to Dr. and Mrs. Guinea Pig on Tuesdays and Heather Dubrow's World every Friday. This is the Skinny Confidential, him and her. All right, next question. When you were first starting out, what did you do wrong? What did I do wrong? Huh. Pull out your scroll, because I know you have one. Dust it off. <laughs> okay. Um, and have some coffee. Well, I was maybe a little bit over-optimistic. I didn't watch the numbers as closely as I should have. You know, let's take that first real estate deal. I was remodeling, and I was not pinching pennies as much as I should have. I was throwing budgets around. I was buying things that were unnecessary. Um when I first started out and I first started making uh, some good money, I bought a lot of unnecessary materialistic things that I didn't need that I thought would make me happy. Let's let's dig deep into this this part before you go to the next. Elaborate. Okay. So, as some of you know, I was a uh, I like watches a lot. I bought a lot of watches that you didn't need. That I didn't need. What happens is when you're starting out and you th- and you think, you know, status symbols or cars or houses or just or clothes or whatever you, you think that that's what you do when you become successful or at least i did i and i didn't really have anyone to tell me different what happens is you start to get these things 
and you realize that it's never good enough, right? Because you're, you're, you're chasing something that's not real. So I started buying things that I didn't need. I've scaled back on that a lot now. You checked yourself. Again, like I said before, you guys, once he learns a lesson, he learns the lesson. And you learned it quickly and swiftly. I hope that I've brought a little bit of value to you with materialistic things. No. You, we, we grew up differently. We grew up differently. I could care less now about cars and jewelry and big houses and stuff like that. That's not what drives me anymore. But there was a point in my life when it did. Um, but I was young, you know, like when I, when I first started working, when I first started having some success, I was 24, 25 years old. He was spending a lot of money when, when you were 21, I feel like you were spending a lot of money on going out. No, not 21. I didn't have any money at 21. Okay. How old? I would say 23, 24, 25. He was spending money on things that we just didn't need. Like we would go and get a bottle of champagne at a club. Like it was just pointless. But you know, I don't regret any of this because I made a lot of connections with a lot of people that I'm still partnered with today doing that. So that's actually not, I I actually think there's nothing wrong with buying experiences. I would say, I would say it's okay. A lot of people are scared. I spend a lot of money on travel, a lot of money going out with friends. Um, we go out all the time. Like that's a big part of our budget, right? Travel and this, we've talked about it, but I think that's fine because those are experiences and experiences are what help you build bonds with people. they help, they help expand your mind, especially when you're traveling. Um, you'll never be happy buying items, but you will always find happiness with experiences. So I think so you it's don't okay. don't regret buying like 5 million bottles of champagne. No, because it's the experiences and I can laugh about it. No, I don't regret anything in my life. I'm just cautioning people things I would do differently. And then also patience. I keep saying that over and over, but I got ahead of myself multiple times and made decisions based on needing something now, as opposed to waiting to get something later. Tell the story of your dad's friend that would put the facts at the bottom. Oh, well, this is more like with problem solving. I think that's a great story though for patience. My dad had a friend, very successful guy. And and back in the day, when they would send correspondences, they would send them via fax. We, they didn't have email. They didn't have text messages. They had a bank or a, a, a lawyer or somebody wanted, to, any, somebody wanted to send you something important. They sent you a fax. And what this guy would do, and I think this is kind of what I apply to my own life with email a little bit, which sometimes gets me in trouble with people, is he would take the fax that would come in. And he would go to his pile of other faxes and he would take that one fax and he would put it at the very bottom of the pile. And he would just go about his day, you know, kind of going through these faxes and answering these different correspondences and responding to things. And he said, by the time this fax made it back up to the top of the pile, and that could be days, maybe a week, maybe Relate a month, this to email. <laughs> that most of the time that problem had worked itself out or gone away. And he says, when people get in a big rush to solve something right away, solve this problem today, do it right now. Uh, a lot of time you make bad judgment calls and you get yourself in trouble. So I took that lesson to heart and I, and I do it with emails. I do it. People, Lauren gets mad at me because I figure if it's a really important email or really something important that, that I need to know about it, somehow I'll get the message. A lot of the time, a lot of these, you know, whimsical problems or these, or these things that we think we need to solve right away usually don't need to be, and they just cause more chaos in our life. So Yeah. <laughs> All right, next question. So one of the things that attracts me to you as a person is that you're a huge reader. I I find it so endearing and so cool, especially in this generation. 
Who are some of the authors that you love and what are tips and tricks that you've picked up from them? So give us some books that we all have to read. Let's not, don't go too crazy because I know, like, if you're going to say Shogun, like, that's a little too gnarly. No, no, well, well, I will. It's, I won't say Shogun, but I'll say the author, James Clavell, who wrote Shogun. He's been telling me to read this book Shogun, for 10 years. Taipan, Noble House. It's so, a little intimidating, though. Let's start easy. Well, so, so surprisingly, I read a lot more fiction books than nonfiction. And many people think that they can't learn things from nonfiction or from fiction books because they're fiction. But I actually believe that fiction writers are much better writers than nonfiction writers because Why? they actually have to they they have to weave a story. They have to. Uh, and I could write a book about my life, and it's very easy because it's my life. I don't have to have that big of an imagination. That is such a good point. I've never thought of that in my life. You're right. You have to. I could write a story about my life because it's my life. You always say, like, when I'm nervous to go speak in front of people, you say, what do you mean you're talking about yourself? And you're right. If I had to go up and talk about something I didn't know, that would be more intimidating. And that's kind of how fiction and nonfiction are. Yes, but also remember that fiction books are always... Even I mean, even science fiction to some degree and fantasy books, they're all based around real events, real life, things that actually occur in, or have occurred in history or in current events. And so what these authors do is they're able to weave stories and make you care about characters that are that don't exist and aren't real. And you can actually picture these characters in your mind. And, you, and, and what I like about it is, you know, if I read a, a biography about George Washington, we all know what George Washington looked like. So the imagination, you don't need to stretch your imagination that much. But when someone creates a fictional character, you all have, we all have a different um, perspective on what that character looks like, what he thinks, what he feels. And so you, it gets your mind and your creativity flowing. I like to read fiction, especially historical fiction, because it takes things that have actually happened in real life and, and facts in life, and they create stories around them. Okay, so if someone isn't a reader, how can they start? Where should they start? And what are some tips and tricks that you've picked up from these books that will make people want to read them to learn more? So I always recommend James Clavell. It's their big, intimidating books. But they're, I, I promise, like, Lauren looking at me weird now because they're... they're but go they're a little easier. Like, that's a very intimidating book. Well, you're asking me what I really recommend. Okay, so, okay, James Clavel, what's one we should start with? Shogun. Okay. Or Taipan. But it, and, and you'll see, I mean, it'll teach you. Some of those books taught me so much about business and patience and keeping your mouth shut when, you're, when you think you need to speak and... What's a tip that they planning. can take away? Um, there's, there's just too many, but... I would say like there's so much value in those books because one, it'll take you through history and two, it'll take you through very smart business minds, um, very good writing. It'll expand your vocabulary. Talks a lot about patience, patience, planning, waiting, um, waiting. I like Larry McMurdy a lot. He wrote the Lonesome Dub series, but then also, you know, I've done a lot of book posts on, you know, on your site on nonfiction. Arnold Schwarzenegger's book is one of the best biographies I've ever read. Why? Because he's he's a really interesting guy, and I think when you when you tally up his accomplishments, a lot of people don't know that Arnold um, was a millionaire before he made any money on his movies. Okay, tell us about it. He was really smart in the sense that he saw a lot of actors being put in desperate situations where they had to say yes to roles, had to say yes to contracts. And so he, he told himself, he said, I never want to be in that situation. So he started creating his own businesses in real estate. Um, he did one of the first mail subscription services for um, fitness products. 
he was a bricklayer at one point and he just he made it so that he didn't have to negotiate from a point of desperation which is a lesson that i always try to pass on to you is never negotiate when you're under the gun yeah, I've learned that lesson the hard way. That's that's that'll be in the podcast of yeah. how our asses got kicked. Or even if you are under the gun, never negotiate from a from a weak point because people can smell weakness. And Art of take War advantage. is a good book. Art of War is a good book by Sun Tzu. What about something that's a little more modern? Like, I, I know that you read the Stubble Art of Not Giving a Fuck. That was good. Mark Manson's Mark Manson's good. coming on our podcast. We're very excited about that, you guys. If you have not read his book, read it before our podcast because I think you will love him. You also right now are reading Tim Ferriss' Tools of the Titans, and what you like about that, I feel like, is that, I don't want to speak for you, but I think that it, it breaks down um, a lot of very successful people's tips and tricks. Yeah, well, he he, he was really about? smart, and, and I give him credit also for the marketing of that book, because not only is Tim Ferriss a trusted person that where people go to for advice and for an educated perspective, but he took some of the most successful people in the world, whether it's athletes, actors, entrepreneurs, um, business people, and he put them all in one book and he put all of their advice in one book. So now you're not only going to Tim Ferriss, but he used everyone else to... He's genius. It's, it's very it's smart. Genius. But it's also a very good book. I think d- the Dale Carnegie books on how to win friends and influence people is important for everybody to read at least once or twice in their life. Very important, especially you said earlier, it's important to be, you know, likable um, and warm. And and what's the book about compelling people? I forget the author, but the book is called Compelling People. Oh, and it talks about how important it is to have strength and warmth, not just warmth, not just strength, right? Yep. I like Ryan Holiday's books. I've talked about them on your blog before. Ego is the enemy. Yeah, but I like The Obstacles the way better. I think it's important to read Stoicism and learn, you know how to view and perceive the hardships of life. What else? I'm waiting for one other book. that you The Skinny read. Confidential book is amazing. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I know. And I read, I read a lot. I, there's a guy named Connie Golden who does books on the Roman Empire and Genghis Khan and um, now the, the Tudors. Okay, the so Roman, one book, one book for, I mean the English one book for entrepreneurs out there that are young entrepreneurs. There's two. What is the I, There's two that I recommend to everybody. Okay, and tell us why. Okay, first, Managing Oneself by Peter Drucker. You could read it in 30 minutes, maybe an hour if you're a slower reader. He gave this to all his friends, you guys. And it's a small 50-page manifesto on really learning yourself and, and managing yourself and understanding really what you're about. And then uh, The One Thing by Gary Keller. And... I think that's a really important book for focus and and starting out and, and and I recommend those two to everyone. Perfect. I have one more question for you and then we are off to go get chips and salsa at Fidel's. Okay, so last question. This one's for me selfishly. Well, I hope it provides value to everyone, but what are some tips for couples that work together? This is a question we've gotten asked a lot, and I feel like I want to constantly be checking myself because we work together so much. How do you think we're doing? What, what would you rate us? How can we give value to people that are working together? What are some tips? I think this year, 2016, was the biggest year of growing pains hopefully that we will go through um, 
with working together. And that, that's really let's let's talk about that because if people just watched our Snapchat or saw our Instagram or saw like my blog, I feel like they would say, "Wow, you guys work together perfectly." First of all, nothing's perfect. Elaborate on that. Okay, I came from my businesses and doing my thing and being the boss in my respective situations, and you came from your blog and you being the boss on with, with your day to day. And when I say the boss, I don't mean the boss of other people necessarily. I mean the boss of how how the day was going to go. Right? You, you you set the tone of this is what we're doing today for the skinny confidential, and I set the tone with what I was going to do for what I was doing. And when you come together and you take two type A personalities, which I believe we both are. Extremely. That can get chaotic, especially when, in this case, we used your platform. And the reason that I think we're going to be okay now is that we navigated a lot of the issues and the problems along the way. But what I would say, the reason we were able to do that, and this would be the advice for people wanting to work together as a couple, is first... I believe that you and I are both 100% committed to the same common goal. Okay? I don't I'm not doing this for me and you're not doing this for you. We're doing this for some for a goal together and I think that there needs to be an honest conversation between couples of what that goal is and and what people are both committed to doing. And our friend Steve who we had on the show a couple weeks back helped us do that. We actually did a 14-hour session that we never showed to anybody about a strategic future for the for for this brand and it's called a charter and we wrote a charter out and we we both got committed to it and we we're going to do one also for our relationship you do them separately yeah um you fi- you figure out your fixed way of being meaning like what is michael's fixed way of being and what is mine and how those fixed way of beings can work together and how you can overcome them so a fixed way of being could be you always have to be in control or and that turned out to be my fixed way of being that was michael's fixed way of being and you can't find your fixed way of being by just like thinking about it you have to talk it out anyways go on um two after deciding what that common goal is and both being committed to it uh, and this is something that you either have and you really believe or you don't is respect for one another i respect lauren more than anyone on this earth obviously oh. and that's why i married her and I consider her an equal, if not above me. Oh, yeah. points for you. Yep. But Do you want to get laid tonight or I something? I think <laughs> a lot of time in a relationship, there's one or the other is taking a, a, a stance of they're better or their their opinion weighs more or they're, um, they're the boss. They're smarter. They have more experience. There's, there's plenty of things that I have experience in that Lauren doesn't and plenty of things that she has experience in that I don't. And I think that complements each other. Lauren's taught me many many lessons in life um which we could do a whole podcast on that but so i think respect and really being honest and asking yourself do you actually really respect your partner does that does your partner really respect you and then i think the final thing is defining the goals i mean and not the goals the roles of each person and understanding you know i never ever get into the skinny confidential and do any of the creative content unless it's a piece of content that I'm writing. I don't ever step in her way of the the vision she has for that. I don't. You did one time try to direct a photo shoot, <laughs> and I told you to bow down. <laughs> and I was out. Um, so, and you know, with the way I run the back end of the site, Lauren Lauren gives me control. You know, it was interesting this year because we had Taylor, who's and and some of my uh, employees that have worked for me for a long time kind of step into the skinny confidential and help. And then Lauren had my sister and some of her employees 
kind of stepping into my stuff. And it, it was interesting to blend those two teams together because a lot of the time the teams didn't really know who was in charge and who whose voice to listen to. And Lauren and I have different management styles. Mine's a little bit more blunt, a little bit more to the point. You know, I always tell the guys that work for me, don't ever get offended by anything I say when we're working because my whole goal is just to help all of us and in, in complete the mission that we're trying to complete. Michael's more of a dick. <laughs> yeah. So, well, I say things quickly and I, and I, and I'm blunt about it. And so a lot of people, you know, when you step in and you're managing some people, they don't, they don't get that style. My team has learned to deal with that management style for a long time. Lawrence didn't. So blending those two different management styles was interesting, but it's working now. Yeah. Once again, when, when we're on the same page and we have the same goal and also, and the, the final thing is I would say you need to be a united front. There can't team player team player. There can't ever be divergence. You know, Lauren and I try not to contradict ourselves in, pe- in front of people outside of our team and definitely in front of our team. And so, yeah, that's, and we're working on it, you guys. This is such a work in progress. I mean, we're learning. It's uh, like I always say, it's like a dance. Like you, like you have to learn how to dance. It's this practice. It's working every day. It's it's committed to to the same goal. So, d- I feel like people are hard on themselves when they compare themselves to a facade on social media. And it's really important to remember that everyone is navigating stuff like this every single day. I mean, there's by no means any like anything perfect. No, I would say at the end of the day, it comes down to love and respect, and and you. It's important to never lose sight of the reason why you're working together in the first place and why you're doing something. It's for in our case, it's to make a better life for ourselves and our family and our community and our community and the people that we speak to. And if at any point working together detracts from that or takes away from that, then you have to really analyze like why are we even doing this? So don't forget the reason that you decide to start working together in the first place. Great advice. I'm having this huge obsession right now with John F. Kennedy and Carolyn Bissett because I read the book What Remains. You guys know that if you read my post on death on the Skinny Confidential. And after reading that, I wanted to know more about this couple that was such a power couple. So I just I'm reading right now um, a book by John F. Kennedy's assistant, Rosie. I don't know the name of it. But anyways, I'll put it on the Skinny Confidential. They, she talks about what made Carolyn Bassett and John F. Kennedy so powerful. And she said, at the end of the day, they were equals. So I think that if you're in a relationship or um, a business partnership where you're not feeling like you're equals, you should sit down and evaluate that because I think that's really important. And I think this whole year has been for us navigating that. And at the end of the day, we are about being equal. So... Listen, if we can get through what we went through this year, there's been, you know, starting businesses together, there's been marriages, there's been deaths, unfortunately, there's been a million Ebbs and wedding flows. parties, there's been family dynamic, there's been Christmases and holidays. It's just another year, it's called life. There's been, you know, people pissing themselves and getting <laughs> naked, there's been crazy Thanksgiving stalkers. Um, it's been a year. If um, we can get through all that, then I think I think we're set up in a good place for 2017. It's been a ride. Thank you guys so much for your support. Next week, Michael will be interviewing me. Get some good questions. you got to collect. If you guys want to send them in, you can send them to podcast at theskinnyconfidential.com. Make sure you're subscribed to our podcast. I'm constantly doing giveaways on Snapchat, and it's a big plus extra credit if you're subscribed. 
Um, we appreciate your support. You guys have been fucking amazing in 2016. We're so excited for 2017 because we are going to have some badass guests on that we are very excited about. We're fired up. I think we've gotten to the point. I think what I would say about this podcast and this, and you know what's funny is we've probably worked out a lot of our issues through this podcast, which is interesting. Both Lauren and I never thought we would be doing this. We th- we started this on a whim. We were literally in a in a cab in New York, and I said, why don't we just do a podcast? Wrong. Wrong again. We were in Cabo drinking ginger margaritas at the bar with Joel, blacked out, and you said, let's do a podcast. You know what? Now that I think back, that's true, but I remember I was listening to a podcast in a cab in New York, and I thought that the idea of why sh- don't we just do a podcast. So that's why I thought that. But 43 episodes in, I think we've finally started to get a rhythm we started to learn how to do this a little bit we're listening to you guys we're taking all your feedback all your criticism and we are trying to get better with each one yeah i i think we we held off on guests we've had some guests but we've held off on guests outside of podcasters for a long time because we wanted to get a little better at this style have our foundation yeah we've never you know definitely both of us never trained for this so we're training now. We're, we're training in front of you guys. And here's the thing. This podcast is such a representation of this whole entire interview we just did with Michael because if the first podcast was horrendous. The second podcast was horrific. The third podcast was kind of horrific. And so all we've done here is we've practiced patience. We've got a long way to go and we're growing slowly. And at the end of the day, if you're an entrepreneur, or you're growing your company, that's all you can do. Start out horrific, grow each day, chip away before you know it, you'll realize, whoa, shit, I've come a fucking long way. I mean, 43 episodes, so let's call that roughly 43 hours, a little less, because the shows sometimes are there. That's, you know, I I will be happy when we get to 52 episodes, which will be one year. I think one year of putting in work on a weekly basis is a good step in the right direction. I'll be happy when we get to 500, just because I love that number. And then I'll feel like we've been together for a long time. How many weeks is that? Do the math. That's 10 years. Okay. Well, that's when I'll be happy. Okay. Everyone knows that the world shops online now. And if you don't, you're weird. People only go to malls to drop the kids off or buy a super pretzel, maybe see a movie. And of course, as you know, Amazon is the biggest online mall in the universe. But did you know that every time you use Amazon, you could be helping us keep this podcast going? That's right. If you use our Amazon banner when you shop, a small amount of the purchase goes directly to help support this podcast at no extra cost to you. Okay, so here's how you do it. Go to podcastone.com and click on the Killer Deals link. Click on our show logo and you'll see Amazon and all of our sponsors. Then when you click the link, bookmark it so it's super easy to use the next time. It's a cool way you can help us keep doing this show every week. All right, you guys. Have a great new year we will see you next week before we go we want to take a minute to thank all the great sponsors and all the listeners and readers for supporting the skinny confidential him and her podcast you guys are what keeps the show growing we will continue to bring you guys entertainment and value on a weekly basis for free thank you guys for downloading subscribing and supporting and remember to send in your questions to twitter or instagram using the hashtag ask him and her send us questions to our snaps lauren everts and michael bostick or email us at podcast at theskinnyconfidential.com. Yeah, send us some questions for Michael to ask me. Get weird. Get really weird. All right, you guys. We will see you next week. Happy holidays. Thanks for listening to The Skinny Confidential, Him and Her, with Lauren Everts and Michael Bostick. Download new episodes every Tuesday at podcastone.com or subscribe now on the Podcast One app.